Good morning, Maple Grove. I can tell you, while we were singing, it was sounding so good, and I kind of, I kind of pictured uh, Tim Tebow uh, back in the day for Florida, and, and on the sidelines, getting the fans fired up, and I almost wanted to turn around while we were singing, going, come on, let's go, let's go, let's keep praising him, man. It's such a great time praising God, amen? amen. Now, if I would have done that, would you sing louder? Okay, maybe I'll do it next week, right? Hey, hey, I want to start off with a few passages of Scripture. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, Give thanks, someone say give thanks, in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And he writes in Colossians 3, verse 17, Whatever you do or say, someone say whatever you do or say, Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And the psalmist writes in Psalm 100, and we're going to do this together. Your body, I'm Steve, all right? So you guys start. Go. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. Uh, now, just a few days ago, millions of Americans celebrated Thanksgiving. Uh, they boarded planes, they piled into minivans, flew across the country, and drove along the highways. You know those family fun road trips? Are we there yet? He's touching me. He's touching me. I'm hungry. I have to go to the bathroom. And you're like, we just stopped. And I asked you, did you have to go to the bathroom? And you said you did, and now we're 10 minutes down the road, and you're telling us you have to go to the bathroom. They gathered in homes and in apartments, condos and restaurants. They sat around tables and in living rooms with family and with friends. They ate and laughed and ate and shared and ate and ate and celebrated. And maybe even watched some football. Anybody watch any football? Some good stuff there. We Americans love to celebrate Thanksgiving Day, don't we? It was first celebrated in our country in 1623, three years after the pilgrims settled in Plymouth. In his official proclamation, Governor William Bradford wrote this, To all ye pilgrims, I, you magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims, with your wives and ye little ones, do gather at ye meeting house on ye hill. They love the word ye. Between the hours of 9 and 12 in the daytime, on Thursday, November ye 29th, of the year of our Lord, 1,623. In the third year since the pilgrims landed on ye Plymouth Rock, there to listen to ye pastor. Would you turn to the person to your right left and say, listen to ye pastor. (laughs) I like that. And render thanksgiving to ye, almighty God, 
for all his blessings, end quote. So actually, this is the 400th anniversary of that first Thanksgiving. And we've been celebrating the last Thursday of November ever since George Washington and a resolution from Congress set aside that day back in 1789. Here's some of what GW wrote. That's, we're close. That's what I call them. Yo, GW, what you got? Here's what he wrote. Where is, is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God and to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer. Therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all that is good, that was, that is, or that will be good, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country. And also that we may then unite and most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions and sins. End quote. And then in 1863, Abraham Lincoln, during the Civil War, made it an official holiday saying, I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our Father who dwells in the heavens. Man, we sure could use leaders like that today who humbly acknowledge God, who understand that all the good that was, that is, or that will be comes from him. Leaders who seek to obey his will, who are grateful for his blessings, who seek his face in prayer, and who ask God to pardon our national sins and transgressions. Amen? We could use them today. Now this morning, November 26, 2023, I want to unpack a conversation called Pursuing a Life of Gratitude. And I want to do that by unpacking three statements. Understanding and embracing the why. Pushing through the obstacles. And the last statement is immediately putting into practice a gratitude that is expressed. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. We get to be in your house. We get to sing praises to your name. I pray as we lean into your word this morning that our hearts will be open and that what happens in this place makes a difference in our lives, in our families, our homes, in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so pursuing a life of gratitude, we need to understand and embrace the reason why why we must pursue it. And listen, ever since we were toddlers, we've had this need to understand the why behind things that we're told or asked to do, right? It's time to go to bed. Why? You can't have ice cream for breakfast. Why? You need to brush your teeth. Why? Stop licking the table. Why? It's not okay to pee in the neighbor's yard. Stop hitting your brother. 
Don't put the candy up your nose. Why? You can't date until you're 39. <laughs> Why? Okay. Here's some why we should pursue a life of gratitude. Number one, God commands our gratitude. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And if you remember from a few weeks back, we talked about grace is greater than our circumstances. I said that that, that word give thanks, it's, it's one word in Greek, eucharisteo, and it's an imperative, which means it's a command. It's not an option. God is commanding us to give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. It's God's will for you and I to live a life of gratitude. And that alone should be enough, right? If our commander-in-chief tells us to jump, we simply say, how high, right? Because being a part of God's family, being his son and daughter, as we read this week and our faith comes from hearing, in Matthew chapter 3, it's not just about what we say, what we claim, or what title we wear. It's about doing God's will. In Mark 3.35, we read, Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. However, there are some good reasons besides God commanded. Right? So God commanded it. It's God's will for us in Christ Jesus to live a life of gratitude. Next, because gratitude leads to wellness and wholeness. In Luke chapter 17, if you remember, uh, there's 10 guys who were healed of leprosy and only one came back to thank Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, we're not all healed, then where are the other nine? Uh, like this guy is the only one who came back and said thank you. But listen, because of his expressed gratitude, Jesus said to him, rise and go, your faith has healed you. You ever wonder why Jesus said that? Rise and go, your faith has healed you. I mean, like the other nine, this guy was already healed of his leprosy. Now understand what Jesus said, your faith has healed you. He's not talking about a physical healing. He's talking about a spiritual healing. He's talking about an emotional healing. In fact, the Greek word used for heal in, in Matthew, I mean, in Luke 17, 19, is a word that means to save, to be made whole. It means true wellness. And here's what's going on. The guy was already healed physically of, of his leprosy, but he was made whole, he was made complete, he was made well when he returned, and he gave thanks. You see, expressing gratitude brought about wholeness in his life. And listen, there's been a lot of studies done, a lot of research done that says that very same thing. That sincere gratitude, that thanksgiving is the healthiest of all human emotions. Uh, that it produces more positive emotional energy than any other attitude. Uh, according to one study, expressing gratitude causes the brain to increase the levels of dopamine and serotonin. A dopin, dopamine is, the, is that feel-good neurotransmitter associated with pleasure and reward. It contributes to focus, to motivation, to happiness. Serotonin is a chemical that is considered a natural mood stabilizer. It helps reduce depression. 
reduce anxiety. It heals wounds and maintains bone health. Crazy. Again, Jesus said that gratitude is essential. Expressing gratitude is essential for us to be whole and well. Get it? Henry Frost served as a missionary in China many years ago. And in his journal, he wrote about a time when he was really, really depressed because he was going through a very difficult time in his life. Ever been in a place like that? Here's what he wrote. I received sad news from home and deep sadness had covered my soul. I prayed, but the darkness didn't vanish. I summoned myself to endure, but the darkness only deepened. Ever been there? Then I went to an inland station and saw on the wall of the mission home these words. Try Thanksgiving. I did. And in a moment, the shadows lifted. A third reason why you should pursue gratitude is gratitude is the path to real and sustainable joy. I like what Brennan Manning writes in his awesome book, Ruthless Trust, in a chapter called The Way of Gratefulness. He writes this. The root of joy is gratefulness. It is not joy that makes us grateful. It is gratitude that makes us joyful. It's not joy that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us joyful. Have you ever met a person who was truly living a life of gratitude that wasn't a joyful person? Me either. Uh, Next, gratitude is attractive and ingratitude is unappealing, undesirable, unattractive, ugly, offensive, repellent, and repulsive. The exact opposite of being attractive according to thetharis.com. Would you consider it an insult or a compliment if, if after church today someone walked up to you and said, you are the most ungrateful person I've ever met? Would you consider it a compliment or, a, or an insult? And who do you think is a better representation of Christ? And a spokesman for him. A person living a life of gratitude or a person living a life of ingratitude? I think we know the answer, right? Also in his book, Ruther's Trust, uh, Brendan Manning talks about a grateful old woman in an extended care hospital. He writes this. Try to picture. Some of you probably can picture it. She had some kind of wasting disease that caused her to fade away during the march of each month. A student of mine happened upon her on a coincidental visit. And the student kept going back, drawn by the strange force of this woman's joy. Though she could no longer move her arms or legs, she would say, I'm just so happy I can move my neck. When she could no longer move her neck, she would say, I'm just so glad I can hear and see. When the young student finally asked the old woman what would happen if she lost her sight and sound, the gentle old lady said, I'd just be so grateful that you came to visit. There was an uncommon freedom in the student's eyes as she told me of her friend, end quote. I met a lady like that 
in my first ministry in Tampa, Florida. Her name was Rhea Tompkins. She was 35 years old. She had a 4-year-old, 15-year-old, and an 18-year-old. She lived in subsidized housing, just got her college degree, just got a good job, and then out of nowhere comes down with a very debilitating form of lupus. Within a few weeks or so, her husband left her. Her oldest son got caught dealing drugs and was thrown in jail. She lost her job. She lost weight. She had barely hold her head up. She could not get in and out of the tub by herself. Her, her middle school son had to help her in and out of the tub. And she told me that she was so thankful. And that was really a blessing. She says that it's giving me more time to spend with God. And whenever I, I go to the hospital, I know that God has brought me there because there's someone there that he wants me to share his love with. And I got to tell you, whenever I was feeling discouraged, you know where I would go? I would drive down to Progress Village and spend some time with Rhea Tompkins, and I always left encouraged because she found what joy is all about, what real and sustainable joy is about. It's about having a life of gratitude. God commands it, leads a wellness and wholeness, and gratitude is contagious. Uh, this week I Googled, and, and as I typed that, I thought, like if 20 years ago I said that, I Googled, you'd be like, what are you talking, I Googled, like, what? and that's so common today, I Googled, I Googled, crazy. Hey, I grew up in phones that you dialed, right? Uh, I, I, I thought it was a big deal when, we, when I was 20 and got a TV that had buttons you could push rather than the dial you had to turn, right? I mean, growing up, we had a remote control. Here he is. <laughs> uh, we, we had someone who could adjust the rabbit ears, right? And sometimes I just had to stand there. Okay, you got it. I moved. Okay, you're going to have to stand there, Stevie, because I can't see my show, right? So we, we had those things. But it's, it's crazy the terms we use today that people are like, what are you talking about? Googling. What are you drooling yourself? What does it even mean? Anyhow, uh, but as I Googled, do you do that when you say Googled? Oh. I do that. I Googled, I Googled, I Googled, right? And I came across a, a story on a website called grateful.org, a site dedicated to helping people live a life of gratitude, right? It's got a lot of cool stuff. It's a story about a guy named Richard Bernstein who leads four summer camps for children who all have chronic illnesses. It allows them to be campers first and patients second. And they swim, they swim, boat in the lake, play soccer, do arts and crafts, do rope climb. In short, they experience overnight summer camp with other kids just like themselves. And here's what he wrote. The first morning of camp, he says, that I, I grabbed a, a plastic container, plastic jar, and, and I wrote on it, mayonnaise jar. And I put it in, on the piano in front of the dining hall. I put pencils and a few pieces of paper next to the jar and told a couple of counselors that, that it was a way for campers to say thanks if someone did something for them. At lunchtime, there were two anonymous notes in the jar. Thanks for lending me your sunscreen at the pool. Thanks for finding my hat. 
During lunchtime, I announced, I told the camp about the mayo jar and read the two notes. I, I thought a few other campers and counselors might want to use the jar, so I added about 20 pieces of paper beside it. I figured that's enough for the rest of the day, maybe the rest of the week. I stopped at the dining hall later that afternoon to meet with a few counselors and check to see if the mayo jar had any used users yet. To my surprise, the stack of paper was gone and the jar was beginning to fill up. I added 20 more sheets of paper and continued my afternoon. At dinner, I again checked the jar and again the paper was gone and the jar was practically full. Before even announcements, I sorted through the notes and found dozens of expressions of thanks for all sorts of things. Being a friend, clearing a table, sharing a water bottle, making a snow cone. Forty notes in the space of four hours. I read every note during dinner announcements. Some were cheered, some weren't. But I was struck by the number of kids that took the time to acknowledge that someone had done something for them and thank them. After dinner, I put 50 pieces of paper next to the jar and sharpened the now dull pencils. The next morning at breakfast, the paper was gone and the jar was full. The notes described different things, sharing a teddy bear, telling a bedtime story, thanking the kitchen staff for a great meal. Again, I read every note during announcements, replaced the paper, and continued with camp. By the end of the second day, they were averaging 60 notes between each meal, almost 200 notes per day, this from a camp of 95 campers and 40 counselors. And during the third day, I began to notice a change. The camp seemed to take on a different feel. Campers and counselors seemed more conscious of doing things for each other. The process of saying thank you appeared to be generating acts of kindness and consideration. Several times during the day, there was a line at the mayo jar as kids wanted to write their notes. As the week progressed, normal and expected small incidents of mischief and misbehavior at camp almost vanished. There were no cabin pranks, no bullying, no harsh words. It was as if expressing gratitude had created a shift in how the camp operated. By the end of the week, there were between 600 and 700 notes. From the scrawls of eight-year-olds, the thoughtful comments from longtime counselors. The stack felt like a treasure, he writes. There are hundreds upon hundreds of documented acts of kindness that were acknowledged simply because these campers were given the opportunity to express thanks. Some of the notes were clever, some were simple, some were revealing, and some moved me to tears. Kim from Pine Cabin, thanks for encouraging me on the zip line. Thank you, Chelsea, for teaching me how to make a lanyard. Thank you, Riley, for always smiling. It makes me happy. Thanks, Joan, for understanding my weirdness and being weird with me. To all the staff, you guys make my dream come true. This week, you make me proud to be gluten-free. <laughs> I, I was humbled by the action and wisdom of my campers and counselors. I'll never run camp again without a mayonnaise jar. Contagious, right? Contagious. Why should you pursue a life of gratitude? God commands it. It'll lead to your wellness and wholeness. It's a path to real and sustainable joy, and it's contagious. But listen, understanding and embracing the why is not enough. We have to push through the obstacles. There's basically four obstacles that keep you and I from living a life of gratitude. One is the attitude of entitlement. Hey, I deserve this. They owe it to me. Here's the deal. When your sense of entitlement is high, your gratitude is low. And when your gratitude is high, your sense of entitlement is low. 
When your sense of entitlement, people owe it to you, right? My mom and dad owe this to me. My kids owe this to me. My spouse owes this to me. My church owes it to me. Then your gratitude is low. But when your gratitude is high, your sense of entitlement is low. Bottom line, gratitude begins when our sense of entitlement ends. Amen? You see, gratitude reinterprets the situations in our lives, beginning with the basic acknowledgement that we do not deserve any of what we've been given. I understand it. All of it. Every good thing we have or experience is a product of God's grace. Like James says in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift, someone say, every good and perfect gift. comes down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. I mean, even, even the mental abilities that allow us to understand what I just said is a gift from God. And listen, when we start with that frame of reference that we don't deserve and are not entitled to anything, it's hard for ingratitude to get a foothold in our life. Get it? Good. Brendan Manning writes this. Gratitude arises from the lived perception, evaluation, acceptance of all of life as grace. As an undeserved and unearned gift from the Father's hand. Amen? So entitlement gets in the way of our gratitude. Another obstacle is pride. Nobody ever gave me anything. I've worked hard for everything that I've had. And with this kind of attitude, we feel that we have no one to thank but ourselves. I couldn't have made it without me, right? Pride. Third attitude is a critical complaining spirit. Ever seen one? Ever have one? Refreshing and encouraging, isn't it? He said, instead of being thankful, the person, this person will always find something to complain about. I mean, they're expert at finding the cloud in every rainbow. In the Old Testament, we read about Israelites wandering in the wilderness, grumbling, complaining, because they had no food. So God miraculously provides manna, a crust-like flake on the ground that they could bake in the bread, to cover the ground every day except the Sabbath. Again, it was called what? You know what the word, you know what manna means? It's two Hebrew words. First word is what. The second word is it. It means what is it? Like, hey, what is it? So next time you're at, you're at dinner somewhere and they serve you something, say manna. You know, manna. Manna, what is it? And for long they start to grumble because it's the same thing every day. I mean, they had a miracle straight from God but they're no longer satisfied and they can only grumble and complain. I don't think we're that different, are we? I'm convinced that if Americans were at the feeding of the 5,000, we would have complained about not having honey butter for the bread, lemon for the fish, and wet naps to clean up afterwards. And listen, this complaining and critical spirit is fueled by a lack of perspective. Someone say perspective. Have you ever complained about having too many clothes to wash or put away? 
Have you ever complained about having a sink full of dishes? Or having so much leftover food at Thanksgiving that it's very hard to cram it all back into your refrigerator? Have you ever complained about the long line at the grocery store? I mean, those two people in front of you are just killing you, right? Have you ever complained about your kid's bathroom always being in a mess? Your car's taking so long to wash. Your house taking so long to clean before family or company comes to arrive for a visit. Ever complain about those things? How crazy and how ungrateful of us. Amen? Because those things mean that we have food to eat. We have clothes to wear. We have a home to live in. We have cars to drive. We have a store to buy food. We have children. And we have family and friends that care enough about us that they want to visit us. Understand, grumbling and complaining is a gratitude killer. Amen? And grumbling and complaining is contagious, isn't it? We need to nip that in the bud, right? Barney Fife, nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. If, and those are like, what are you talking about? Google Barney Fife, nip in the bud on YouTube, and you'll see Barney nipping it, all right? A fourth attitude that gets in the way of our being grateful is carelessness. Anybody out there besides me take things for granted? If the stars only came out one night a year, would you go out and look? I remember in the early 80s being out on patrol in a submarine and and I remember standing in line after 77 days to see the sky I hadn't seen in 77 days. I waited an hour just to look at the sky. Come on, it's my turn. Hurry up, you sky hog. You know, let me up there. It's like, wow, it's still there. There's so many things we take for granted. And believe me when I tell you, when they're gone, we will notice in a hurry. I mean, turn off the, your hot water for a day. Turn off your heat in the winter for a week. Unplug your washing machine and dryer and, and drag your clothes to the laundromat. Disconnect the internet. Leave your car in the driveway and walk everywhere for a week. Tie a blindfold over your eyes for an entire day. Uh, spend a few months in the third world country or a country where you do not have the freedom and where poverty and violence is everywhere. Or go to a country where, where Christians would be persecuted for doing what we're doing today. I mean, so many things we take for granted, amen? So many things we take for granted, amen? Come on now. And, and what if today, or this week, was the very last day or week you're going to have with your, your mom, your dad, your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your friends, your brother, your sister? I mean, is there someone in your life, is there someone whose presence in your life that you have taken for granted? 
Do not wait until they're gone. Amen? Don't wait until they're gone. And listen, what I'm trying to say is, if there's someone in your life right now that you are taking for granted before the sun sets today or before you even walk out of this room, let them know that you're grateful to have them in your life. And if someone's name popped in your mind, I give you permission to use your phone right now and text them. Right? Don't wait till they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. My mom's been gone for a lot of years, and she would call all the time, and it wasn't convenient, and, and lot, sometimes I wouldn't pick up. When I called her, guess how many times she picked up? Every stinking time. And I would do anything to be able to call my mom today. I took it for granted. When I call mom, I'll always be there. Oh, mom's calling. You know what? I'm busy. Oh, I don't, you know, she's going to take a long time. Or she can make me feel guilty for not visiting her. I'm just not going to answer right now. Don't do that. If there's someone in your life that you're not, that you're taking for granted, they're gone tomorrow. They're gone by the end of the day. You're like, man, I miss them so much. Don't wait to tell them. Amen. Here's the deal. If you and I want to pursue a life of gratitude, we've got to push through the obstacle of pride, entitlement, a critical and complaining spirit, and carelessness. Get it? Good. Rudyard Kipling was a great writer and poet. Unlike many, like he actually got to experience his success while he was still alive. And one time a, a newspaper reporter came to him and said, hey, you know what, Mr. Kipling? Someone calculated, and they found out that the money you make for your writing, that you make about $100 for every word that you write. And he said, man, I wasn't aware of that. And the reporter cynically reached in his pocket and he pulled out a $100 bill and he gave it to Kipling. He said, hey, here's a $100 bill. How about you give me one of those $100 words? Kipling looked at it, folded it up, stuck it in his pocket and said, Thanks. Thanks. He's right. That's a $100 word. Maybe that's a billion-dollar word. It's a word that is too seldom heard, too rarely spoken, and often forgotten. Understand, if any nation ought to be thankful to God and grateful for its goodness, it ought to be America. And if any people living in America ought to be grateful to God, it ought to be Christians. Amen? I mean, we should be overflowing with gratitude. Okay, to pursue a life of gratitude, we must push through the obstacles. And, and what's your greatest obstacle? Is it pride? Entitlement? Are you just a grumbler and complainer? Or just careless? You just, like, take everything for granted. We must understand, embrace the why. And third, we must immediately put into practice a gratitude that is expressed. Because unexpressed gratitude is not much better than ingratitude. Amen? Unexpressed gratitude is not much better than ingratitude. And so you need to immediately start putting together the practice of gratitude being expressed. And, and I got these cards out on the table on the front you can grab. It's, if you're taking notes, kind of in here. This is nothing unique. But I do want you to know that I forgot to print these till this morning. 
And I got injured printing these for you. I cut myself right there. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you for appreciating me. You know, so, but anyhow, you know, and this is something simple you can pick up. It's the 36-day Pursuing Gratitude Challenge. Again, remember the why, right? God commands it. It's a path to real and sustainable joy. It leads to true wellness and wholeness, and it's contagious. Okay? Each day, express your gratitude to at least one person, right? You can, it can be a family member. It could be friends, people you work with, someone who served you in a restaurant, coworkers. It can be a text. It can be a note. You can tell them in person. And then at the end of the day, record who you thank that day. On this day, I thank Billy Bob because Billy Bob bought me some bubblegum shrimp, right, whatever, you know, and, and you put that in there. Uh, I don't know. If you're visiting, someone will explain. I'll try to explain me to you. Each day, write down one thing that you're thankful for. In a journal, slip of paper. You know, maybe in your home, you know, you need to get a mayonnaise jar and say, hey, let, for, until the end of the year, let's put things in here that we're thankful for. And maybe once a week, you pull those out and you, you read them. It could be on an app on your phone. Research indicates that people who actually record things they're thankful for had higher levels of alertness, enthusiasm, optimism, Attentiveness and energy. As I look at this audience, you need to write some stuff down. <laughs> I need me some alertness. I need enthusiasm. No kidding. <laughs> okay. Uh, they were more motivated, more likable, more others-oriented, more forgiving, more generous, more helpful, more likely to volunteer, more likely to give back, and much more positive about life. I mean, what city, what community, what church, what family doesn't need those things, Right? And that's why the enemy doesn't want you to write these things down. I've done stuff like this before. And I started strong and finished lousy, right? I started writing things down and then, ah, uh, missed a day, missed a day, right? The enemy does not want you to write these things down. He does not want you to think about what you're thankful for. He doesn't want you to do this, right? Don't let him win this time. Amen. If someone thanked you that day, who was it? Uh, why did they thank you? And uh, how did it make you feel? I thought I stuck a thank you note in my pocket, but I'm like, where did my thank you note go? All right. I took a picture. That's why I take pictures of things. You get old. But uh, this past week, I got a thank you note from somebody, a fifth grader. I went to his school for uh, bring your pastor to school day, whatever, and uh, he wrote me a note thanking me for coming. I got to tell you, that note made my day. And I took a picture so I wouldn't lose it, right? But it actually, it made my day. And so someone thank you. How did it make you feel? Rich, when you said thank you back then, man, bro, you know, that got me. It got me, all right? Um, and each day, write down one thing that you're grateful to God for. And I'm just going to, I put the scripture references here. I'm not going to read all these scriptures. I'm just going to tell you where they are, okay? Um, 
Maybe you'll, think, maybe you'll thank God for things like these. I'm thankful for the mercy and grace that God shows me. Amen? Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful that God does not treat you as your sins deserve? Are you thankful that he removes your sin as far as the east is from the west? Right? Are you thankful that his mercy is new every morning? Are you thankful that his grace is greater than your sins and mistakes? Right? It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I love that song, Inside Out. A thousand times I failed, still your what? Anybody know the next line? Still your mercy remains. Is that, is that awesome? Okay. Uh, another thing, maybe, maybe you could say, I'm thankful for the relationship that God wants to have with me. Uh, see, God doesn't want to just save you and punch your ticket to heaven. God wants to have a relationship with you. Are you thankful that God wants to have a relationship with you? I'm thankful for the purpose that, that, God, that God gives me. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and, and, and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. There's a word missing here. <laughs> My plans are to prosper you and to harm you. That's what God's word says. Hey, that's why you need your own Bible. <laughs> that is, I, I looked at my notes and go, I hope I don't have that slide. <laughs> All right. Okay. Friends, not to harm you, okay? Wow. That is, wow. I am a professional speaker, y'all. <laughs> All right. Amen. If you're alive and breathing, God has a plan for your life. Get it? I'm thankful for the hope God gives me in the future he's preparing for me. Amen? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. There are many ruins in my father's house. I will not tell you this if we're not true. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. After I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. Now, understand, Jesus is preparing a place for you. And heaven is going to be unbelievable. You're going to get a new body that will never die, never no pain, never no sickness, never no heartache or disease. You'll be reunited, you'll be reunited with all your loved ones who've died in the Lord. You're going to see them again. Amen. Is that good news or what? I'm going to see my mom. I'm going to see my dad again. You're going to see your loved ones again. You're going to live in a perfect world. You're going to see God. You're going to walk on the streets of gold. You're going to eat from the tree of life. You're going to drink living water. Understand if Ephesians 3.20, if God doing immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine applies to anything, it applies to heaven. I'm thankful for the hope and future that God is preparing for me. I'm thankful for the peace that God gives me. Which is quite a gift as you and I live in a world full of trouble. Where the winds blow and the water rise. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Many of you have experienced that peace. It is amazing, isn't it? 
It transcends all understanding. It's peace in the middle of a storm. I'm thankful for the church that I get to be a part of. A church born in Acts chapter 2. When 3,000 people heard the gospel, were baptized, and immediately they began meeting together, worshiping together, sharing meals together, sharing their resources together. I mean, for 43 years, the local church has been my home. It's been my family. The local church has been my favorite place. So every day, write down something to God that you're thankful for. Maple Grove, it's November 26, 2023, and it's time for you and I to get serious about pursuing a life of gratitude. We do that by understanding and embracing the why. God commands it. It leads to true wholeness and wellness. It's the path to real and sustainable joy. It's contagious. We got to push through our pride, entitlement, our critical and grumbling spirit, our carelessness, and by putting into practice a gratitude that is expressed in the 36-day Pursuing Gratitude Challenge is one way to do that, right? And if you do, if you do this, I guarantee, or I'm going to give you one of those, uh, I'll give you a hundred, if you do this completely, and I'm going to trust you not to lie to me, if you say, you know what, I did this every day. I wrote all the things I'm thankful for. People thank me. I wrote it down. I thank God every day for something. And you know what? I'm more miserable than I started. If you actually do that, I'll give you a hundred bucks, right? I'll give you, I'll, I'll go get a nice, clean, never seen before used hundred dollar bill, and I'll put it in your hand. If you do this, and it doesn't work. If you do it and it works, you're going to give me a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> no. That would be cool, though, if you wanted to. I, 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 I wouldn't turn it down. But no, you don't have to give me a $100 bill. But, but give it a shot. Give gratitude a shot. And see if God was telling us the truth, that this is what will lead us to true wellness and wholeness. Amen? Will you guys stand and pray with me? Every week we're gonna, we take communion in something we're extremely thankful for, right? And if you haven't picked up your communion, we have it at the various stations. You can pick it up as we, as we sing. That's where we collect our offering. You'll see those big round buckets. You know, like, like Courtney said, that's, you know, we help people. You know, um, this lady at the Laurels was so thankful, right? Never met her, talked to her on the phone, and now she, she has money for her rent because of us coming together and donating it and 10 families at Breaker Butler are going to have a better Thanksgiving because we all donate to our compassion bucket. And so we're going to sing the song here. I'm going to pray us into it. Uh, God, we love you. And God, forgive us for our grumbling and complaining, our pride, our sense of entitlement, and just being careless about all the things we have, all the things you've given us, Lord. Uh, this building to worship, Lord. People in this room who love and care about us. A country where we have freedom, Lord. A Savior died for us. A Father who gave His Son for us. And so, Lord, I pray that this song will just be our prayer and declaration to You, God. Help us to be more grateful. I pray, God, that the enemy will not keep us 
And keep me, Lord, from taking the challenge until the end of the year to pursue gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen.